So on this Mother's Day, I'm going to preach about a godly mother from the Scripture. We'll look at Exodus chapter 2. I'm going to read the first ten verses of that passage. Exodus chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. It says, And a man of the house of Levi went and took his wife, a daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, daubed it with asphalt and pitch, put the child in it, and laid it in the reeds by the river's bank. And his sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him. Then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, and her maidens walked along the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the maiden went and called the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. And the child grew and brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. So she called his name Moses, saying, Because I drew him out of the water. And so today, for a little bit, I want to preach about Jochebed, woman of faith. Jochebed, woman of faith. There are a lot of things that could be said of mothers. Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt said this about mothers. He said, when all is said, it is the mother and the mother only who is a better citizen than the soldier who fights for his country. The successful mother, the mother who does her part in rearing and training aright the boys and girls who are to be the men and women of the next generation, is of greater use to the community and occupies, if she only would realize it, a more honorable as well as more important position than any man in it. The mother is the one supreme asset of the national life. She is more important by far than the successful statesman or businessman or artist or scientist. Mothers are important, and for Teddy Roosevelt, mothers were the most important part of the American society. Charles Spurgeon, the late preacher, the renowned preacher of the middle 19th century, said this of godly mothers, Never could it be possible for any man to estimate what he owes to a godly mother. Certainly I have not the powers of speech with which to set forth my valuation of the choice blessing which the Lord bestowed on me in making me the son of one who prayed for me. And prayed with me. How can I ever forget her tearful eye when she warned me to escape from the wrath to come? How can I ever forget when she bowed her knee and with her arms about my neck prayed, Oh, that my son might live before thee. These two quotes from Charles Spurgeon and Teddy Roosevelt tell us of the undeniable essentiality of mothers and their role and their importance in our lives. And Especially Charles Spurgeon talking about the role of a godly mother and the prayer and the, the role of prayer that a mother prays. Mothers are the nurturers. They're often 
the prayers in the family. They are the most early influencers of their children. And to that, I want to speak today about Jochebed, the mother of Moses, a, a woman of faith. But before I get into all of that, I want to tell a little bit about Moses. He was revered by the Jews. He is, in fact, the, the most revered of all of the patriarchs of Israel. He is looked to as the apex of what it means. He, the Bible says, was a friend of God. and He is the one who God showed a portion of His glory on the mountain. He is the one through whom and by whom the law came to Israel. He is the one that God spoke to. He is the one that God used to bring His people out of Egypt. Moses encountered God at a burning bush. He turned his rod into a serpent. He was instrumental in the ten plagues that uh, were in Egypt that led to Israel being released. He is the one that led the people out of Egypt. He parted the Red Sea when he lifted his staff. He led the people through the wilderness. He struck the rock and water flowed and, and the people were, their thirst was quenched. He is the one that asked for manna and Bread came down from heaven. He is revered of all of the Jewish people. But he led them only to the threshold of the promised land. He was unable to go in to the promised land, but he led them to that, that threshold, to the right to the edge, and then he passed off the scene. But still, even though he didn't bring them into the promised land, he is still revered. But his birth was in a difficult time. Israel, of course, had come to Egypt in the middle of a famine. They came when Joseph was co-regent in Egypt, and they were looking for food. And so they came and were given and dwelt in the land of Goshen, a portion of Egypt. But as time passed, the Bible says that there arose a Pharaoh who knew not Joseph. He forgot about Joseph. He forgot why these people were in his land. And he became afraid that one day that they would outnumber the Egyptians and they would rise up and they would overthrow the land. And so in order to take care of this problem, he ordered all of the newborn babies, or at least the boys, to be killed. And he ordered the midwives of, of Israel to kill the newborn boys. The land that had been their salvation had now become the land of their enslavement. It was the land of their imprisonment. They were slaves, but in spite of all of that, they began to flourish, and they still flourished. And, and the midwives, the Bible said, they had faith in God, and so because of their faith, they refused to honor what Pharaoh was saying, and they would allow the boys to live. These were midwives of faith, they were honored by God, and they told Pharaoh that the, the Israelite women were just too strong, they were lively, is what the New King James says, they were lively, and by the time they arrived on the scene, the women had already had their babies and they could do nothing about it. And God honored them for not following the command of Pharaoh. And into that setting, we see and find Moses. Into that setting, that difficult time, we find the birth of Moses. And it starts off with talking about his mother and his father, but they don't even have a name here in Exodus chapter 2. The Bible, it's not until later that Exodus chapter 20 that we get their name, but the text says this, Exodus 2 and 1, And a man of the house of Levi, he went and took his wife a daughter of Levi. It just says, a man. 
took a wife. No names. It's not important. It doesn't really matter what their names are. It's just that a man took a wife of the daughter of Levi. It's not until Exodus chapter 6 that we learn her name. And even then, it's not because it's looking to build her up. It's not looking to talk about how great she was. It just says in, in the genealogies and the people who came out of Egypt, it just says that Amron took Jochebed for wife and they had Aaron and Moses. And later in that chapter, it tells us that this is that Aaron and that Moses who led Israel out. It just kind of mentions it in passing. The name is not important, but her name actually means in Hebrew that Yahweh is glorious, that the God of Israel is glorious. And no doubt she was committed to that God. And so in this middle of this, she's already had two children. She's had Aaron, and maybe Aaron was born prior to the, the edict of Pharaoh. The Bible doesn't tell us, but Aaron is born. And Miriam, his sister, we later learn their names. She had already been born. And, and of course, with any new birth and any pregnancy, there is excitement. And, and maybe there's even fear because... The edict of Pharaoh is such that if it's a boy, we have to kill him. He's going to be put to death. What are we going to do if we have a boy? Maybe it'll be a girl. Let's hope it's a girl so we don't have to do away with our child. But and in this particular setting, of course, they, they had no way of knowing what they were going to have, whether they were going to have a boy or a girl. There's no ultrasound. There's no gender reveals like we're so prone to see today, they have no idea until the time of the birth of whether it's going to be a boy or a girl. So there's excitement, I'm sure, but there's also fear. And maybe she even prayed that it would be a girl. If it wasn't for the edict of Pharaoh, I'm sure that they would be praying that it was a boy. But in this time of difficulty, in this dark time in their history and in the land of Egypt, they're probably praying that this would be a girl so we don't have to kill or hide or dispose of our child but the first day of Moses life there's only two days actually recorded of his childhood the Bible only gives us two specific days and that first day it's Exodus chapter 2 verse number 2 it says so the woman conceived and bore a son and when she saw that he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command she sees that this is a special child. The King James, the new King James, uses the word beautiful. I, I, I looked up the word and I, and I couldn't imagine that it was only because the child was pleasant to look at. I couldn't imagine that it was just because he was better looking than maybe some other children. Because in the eyes of all parents, their children are beautiful. They're, every baby is beautiful. So I, I figured it had to be something beyond that. And when I got to looking, it is a Hebrew word that really means uh, good. It's that the child was good. That word is used 559 times in the Old Testament, and it's interpreted in a, very, a variety of ways. The English Standard Version here, and this verse says that the child, it was a fine child. The New Living Translation said it was a special child. But I, I would tell you this, that whatever it was, they looked at the child and saw that the child was good. And their excitement, though, of having a, a newborn child was, was probably this anguish of childbirth turns into joy, and then that joy turns into fears. Or what are we going to do? Now we have a boy, and we have to get rid of 
this, but, but there's something different about this child that we have. There's something special about this child. There's something that's good about this child. And so they didn't give in to the commands of Pharaoh, but she hid him three months. Not going to kill him, not going to let Pharaoh take him, but she hid him for three months. The second day that we have recorded of the life of Moses, it takes place in the remaining part of the text that I read, verses 3 through 10. It is really the, the point of the story. It's the, the, the bulk or the meat of the story. But she realizes after three months that she can't keep hiding the child. The child is going to continue to grow. The, the cries of the child are going to continue to get too loud and people are going to wonder and and maybe they're going to recognize that doesn't sound like the cry of a girl that sounds like the cry of a of a baby boy and so after three months she decides she can't keep Moses any longer she hasn't even named him at least if she has the Bible hasn't given us his name as of yet all she knows is this is my baby boy this he's special I've got to protect him. I've got to do something for him. I I can't just let him go. I can't just let him die. And so she fashions, the Bible tells us, an ark of bulrushes. I can't really imagine what a mother would feel as she is taking her three-month-old child knowing that she's got to let him go out of her hands, fashioning this basket or As the Bible says, an ark of bulrushes, a boat of safety. And she takes the bulrushes and she weaves them together and she creates this ark. And just like the ark that Noah built, she takes and puts pitch. It's a tar-like substance. She puts pitch on the inside and the outside and she makes sure that this ark of bulrushes is going to float. And and she puts her child in this ark, and she puts him out into the Nile River. But she doesn't just let the ark go and say, well, I hope, I hope everything's okay. I hope you survive. I hope things turn out well. But no, she tells her daughter to, to follow and keep an eye on what's going on, to follow this little ark with the baby brother and see where it goes. And of course she does as, as the sister follows it down and sees that the ark becomes uh, hung up on some reeds. And it just happens to be, probably not a coincidence, but in the providence of God, it just happens to get stuck among some reeds where Pharaoh's daughter is going out and she is, she's going to do her bathing. and She's got her entourage with her. She's got the guards. She's got all of the others that are there to keep her protected. And she hears the cry of a baby and She sees the little ark and she opens the ark and she sees, of course, that it's a Hebrew and she has compassion on this little Hebrew child. And I'm sure that Jochebed had told Miriam, she had told her to, whenever you see what happens, maybe insert yourself into the situation. And if it's someone who can't nurse the baby, then maybe you can suggest that you can find a nurse. And so that's, of course, exactly what happens as Miriam goes up to the daughter of Pharaoh and says, would you like me to find somebody that can nurse the baby? And of course, she has just the person. It is, of course, Jochebed. It is Moses' own mother. And the, the daughter of Pharaoh says, of course, that's a good idea. There's no, of course, in this time, there's no formula. They're not drinking 
cow's milk. They're not drinking goat's milk. Babies, of course, they're, they're, they are nursed at this time, and the daughter of Pharaoh, not having a child, can't do that. So she allows Moses to go back to his own mother. And in fact, she pays Jochebed to, to be the nurse for this child. Smart, ingenious, crafty, a lot of things that could be said about Jochebed, but of course she's intelligent, she's loving her child, she's protective, she's a nurturer, she's all of those things in this story, but more than all of that, she was a woman of faith. And it is to that that I want to speak about the fact that she was a woman of faith. She demonstrated her faith at Moses' birth. Hebrews 11.23 tells us this, that by faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. The Bible doesn't tell us in Exodus that she had faith. The Bible doesn't say it's because of faith that she did this, but Hebrews, in the hall of faith, The mother and father of Moses are listed as people who had faith. They saw that there was something special about this child. And because of their faith in God, they were unwilling to give in to the king's command. But to to save the child and to do everything they could to see that this child was raised and was alive. People of faith who believe the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob... People of faith who believe that God was in charge of everything. People of faith who believe it's wrong to let your child die. People of faith who believe it's wrong to kill your child. People of faith who believe it's wrong to give in to the commands of the king if they go against the word of God. She demonstrated her faith at his birth. But not only did she demonstrate her faith at his birth, but she passed her faith to Moses. Now understand that in in our modern culture, if people actually, if mothers actually do nurse their babies, it's usually a very short time period. If if they if they nurse the babies at all, it's it's not a lengthy period of time. It's a short period of time, but in this particular culture, in, in Bible times, it could be three or four, even five years before a child was weaned. And, and so she had up to five years probably in which she could train Moses, in which she could teach him the things of God, in which she could pass her faith from what she had been taught as a child. She could now pass that to Moses. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way that they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. Moses only had his mother for a few short years, but in those years, she trained him well. She passed her faith in God alone. We see that manifested in two different ways. The first is that she raised Moses to know who he was. Exodus chapter 2, verse 11 says, Now it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, that he went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. So he looked this way and that way, and when he saw no one, he killed the Egyptians and hid him in the sand. He knew who he was. He knew he wasn't an Egyptian. He knew that he was a Hebrew. He knew that he was a servant of Yahweh. He knew that he was a follower of the God 
of the Hebrews. He knew that these people who had been enslaved were his brothers. And so he sees this Egyptian doing, doing harm to his fellow brethren, a Hebrew. And he checks both ways to make sure no one's looking. And then he smites the Egyptian and kills him and buries him in the sand. But unfortunately for Moses, it wasn't unseen. He, he, even though he had looked this way and that way, as the Bible says, he was still seen. Verse 14, or 13, And he went out the second day. Behold, two Hebrew men were fighting, and the one said, he, the one who did the wrong, Why are you striking your companion? Then he said, Who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you indeed intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptians? So Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. He went out and he saw his brethren fighting, and because of his bond with them, of his knowledge of who he was, he said, you shouldn't be doing that. Why are you fighting among yourselves? We have an enemy. We have people that are enslaving us. We don't need to fight among ourselves. But the thing was known, and because of that, of course, Moses flees Egypt. But he knew who and what he was. In those few short years, his mother Jochebed had passed some of that faith to Moses and he knew who he was. But not only did he know who he was, but Jochebed raised him to walk in faith. She raised him to live out his faith. Not just to know who he was, but to live out and walk who he was. Hebrews 11 tells us this. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because he saw, or they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. And then it jumps to his life. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Coming of age in Hebrew culture is around 40. It can vary from 30 to 40, but in ancient times it was, more, it was closer to 40 that when he got to the age of 40, he decided, I'm not going to be called the, the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I'm going to go back and be called a Hebrew. That's who I am. I, I may be adopted by her, but I'm really a Hebrew. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasure in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch him. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians, attempting to do so, were drowned. In this hall of faith, not only is Moses' mother and father listed, but of course Moses is listed as a man of faith, that by faith he did all of these things. But he didn't get that faith in a vacuum. He got that faith from a few short years being around his godly mother. The same faith that Jochebed had, Moses had. There would be no Moses if there were no Jochebed. There would be no Moses if Jochebed had not had faith in God that all of the things and the great things that Moses did would not have existed had she not been a woman of faith. Moses would not be the man he was if she had not passed her faith to him. 
So just like Jochebed, and, and while this is Mother's Day, it's not only for mothers, but like Jochebed, all of us must demonstrate our faith. All of us must live out our faith. All of us are going to find times when we need Stand up for our faith and stand up for our beliefs and do the right thing in spite of opposition and do the right thing regardless of the consequences. We have to live out and demonstrate our faith. But not only that, but all of us must pass our faith to the next generation. And while in this case, Jochebed is the one who passes the faith to Moses, All of us have a responsibility to pass the faith to the next generation. That whether we're mothers or fathers or or even if we're neither one, we have been called to witness and we've been called to share the gospel and we've been called to instruct and teach people. We've been called to make disciples of the nations. We need to pass the faith to the next generation. And maybe mothers are more specifically equipped to do that as they make that bond with their children during those first few years. Most children, when they, they get injured and they're young, they don't want their dads, they want their moms. Maybe that's because dad is like, ah, it'll be okay. It's bleeding, but your leg is not cut off and you'll be fine. Dads aren't the ones who are kissing the boo-boos. They're not the ones who are usually the nurturer. They're not the ones who are pampering the child. Mothers are the ones who are cleaning up the scrapes and cleaning up the cuts and the ones who are giving out the hugs and the kisses and that bond that is formed. And so maybe they're more equipped to do that at least at an early age. And for Jochebed and Moses, that was the case. Just at this few short years at the beginning of his life, she passed her faith to him. Because of that, he was able to do great things when God called him and empowered him because he had the faith of his mother. So what is it that we should do? I would just tell you this. The the Bible is full of, of heroes. It's full of people that we should emulate. But ultimately, God is the hero of the Bible. And, and so I'm usually careful to tell you to be like David or be like Abraham or be like Moses or be like Ruth or Esther or Jochebed. And so I, I won't tell you to be like Jochebed, but just using that as an example of what it looks like to have faith in God, of what it looks like to pass the faith, your faith, to the next generation. It's Mother's Day, so for all of us, we should express and live out our gratitudes for the mothers that we have. To the ones who nurtured us, the ones who took care of us, the ones who gave birth to us and took care of our 
hurts and raised us and fed us and all of the things that mothers do. To moms, of course, live faithful and pass your faith to your children and to your grandchildren. Live it out. Let them see that you love and serve God. Live out the faith that you have. Don't hide it in a closet, but live it out boldly in front of them so that they can receive what you have. And to all of us, again, this call is not just the mothers to pass the faith, but God has called all of us to evangelize. He's called all of us to make disciples. And whether you have children or you don't have children, you have to pass your faith along. It's not enough to hold it. It's not enough to say, well, I, I look what God has done for me. If you have children or nieces or nephews, pass your faith to them. But if you don't, find somebody to pass the faith to. Find someone to share Jesus with so they too can experience the life that you have. They too can experience an eternal life with Jesus Christ. All of us must live in faith and pass that faith to the next generation. Let's pray, Jesus. I thank you for your word today. I thank you that your word is full of hope. Your word is full of life. I thank you that your word is full of examples and ways in which we can live for you. And it's even full of examples, Lord, of ways we shouldn't live for you. In your word, there is everything that we need to know about who you are. In your word is everything we need to know about how you want us to serve you. Everything we need to know about being saved, we can find it in your word. And Lord, we look at this example today of a person of faith. In a difficult time, Lord, much more difficult than the life and the season we find ourselves in today. But in that middle of that dark and difficult time, she expressed her faith and demonstrated her faith in you. Let us demonstrate our faith, Lord, in the middle of this pandemic. Let our faith fail not, but let our faith in you remain strong. Let our faith in you flourish and let it grow. Let our faith in you be an example to those around us of how we can serve you and follow you in the middle of difficulty. And Lord, I pray that not only that, but you would help us to pass our faith in you, our trust, our hope, our knowledge and belief of who you are. Lord, help us to pass that to the next generation. Lord, let us live it boldly in front of them. Let us share it verbally. 
Let us train the next generation to know you, to serve you, to follow you. And Lord, there's no telling with those we come in contact with what great things they will do for you down the road if only we share the gospel with them. Lord, I believe that your coming is soon and near, but if you tarry, Lord, I pray that you would do great things not only in us, but in those who we share the gospel with. That just like Jochebed and Moses, it was some 80 years after she saved him and put him in that ark that he led the people of Israel out of Egypt. Lord, it may not take place tomorrow, but down the road, those we share the gospel with today are going to do great things for you. They're going to be used mightily by you. Let us live in faith. Let us share that faith, especially with our kids and our family, but with every, also with everyone around us. We thank you. Father, we give you praise. We give you praise. We thank you, Lord, that you have saved us. You have brought us into your kingdom. Be with us today, I pray. Be with us in the coming days. Let your presence, your power surround us. Be with us. And we give you all of the glory and all of the honor and all of the praise. And wherever you are today, would you say amen. So thankful that you've joined with us today. Once again, to all of the mothers, happy Mother's Day. My challenge to mothers specifically is be the woman God's called you to be. Be the mother God has called you to be. Because your influence is great. And your influence is needed. God bless you. Have a great Mother's Day. They're going to close us in one more song. We'll see you next week. The mountain tops, the only word that breaks the curses on your name, the one that covers all. It's higher than the others, it's higher than. Jesus.
This name that storms the gates of hell. 